Hello and welcome to the You're an Asset podcast. I'm your host, Casey the Dollar. And on this podcast, we find out who is an asset in the financial industry and who's just an ass. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about people in the industry. We're going to be calling out some asses, but not insurance agents this time. Today, we're going to be talking about financial advisors, fiduciaries, and financial gurus that are all over social media telling you that insurance is a scam. Um, And we're going to get into why that's inappropriate of them. Um, and take on some of their hardcore beliefs. So I do have two separate, in my opinion, asses for you on this episode. But let's just talk a little bit here first about financial advisors, fiduciaries, um, people on social media who are claiming that you should listen to them and take their financial advice, possibly by their course. And, and what's really going on? So it, it might go without needing to be said, but an insurance agent and a financial advisor are not the same thing. They can be the same thing, but on social media especially, they are not. An insurance agent who claims to be a financial advisor, that's a weird gray area where we've talked about it on the show before. A lot of insurance agents claim to be financial advisors. I think this is wrong. I would never claim to be a financial advisor. Um, as an insurance agent, I am not licensed to give financial advice or advise you on your investment options like Roth IRA, a 401k, a brokerage account. I cannot give you advice for those different types of investments. But what I can do is help you with insurance products. Um, Someone who claims they're a financial advisor and they only sell insurance, they are using a title to possibly gain your trust. They might help you with budgeting or teach you about your credit. They might have some sort of licensing in the investment world that allows them to help you in some areas. Today, We're going to talk about financial advisors, people who are registered investment advisors who call themselves exactly that and who shit on insurance at the same time. And why? Financial advisors usually do have fiduciary responsibility. Insurance agents don't. Let's just get that out of the way here. Clear the air. Insurance agents do not have a fiduciary title or responsibility. And financial advisors, investment advisors, people who are licensed to give investment advice, they, most of the time, they do have a fiduciary responsibility. What is a fiduciary responsibility? It means that you have to act in the client's best interest no matter what. Why are insurance agents not fiduciaries? They're not selling securities. They're not required to have one. There's no law that says they have to be a fiduciary. Um, They can be one if they want to be. You can absolutely go and take a test to become a fiduciary, okay? 
It It is as simple as that. A lot of financial advisors use this as a way to shit on insurance agents. You're not a fiduciary. Everything you say means nothing, right? And what I say uh, has a lot more significance because I'm a fiduciary, okay? But the problem with fiduciaries, if you ask me, is first off, we could go through Google and find a million different people who had the fiduciary title and screwed people over. Just because they have fiduciary title, once they get it, that does not mean that all of a sudden they can do no wrong. They're still human. They can still do anything, say anything. And it's up to the person who either gets screwed um, or finds out that this person's not acting in their best interest to go and bring the court or bring the law down on them. It's really hard to actually make a claim against somebody for not acting in your best interest. However, people do get in trouble. Let's throw out a um, a very famous person who was a fiduciary, Bernie Madoff, screwed over thousands of people with his practices. His fiduciary title meant nothing. It meant nothing. He's still scammed people out of millions of dollars, billions even. There are tons of examples like this. Another famous one that's happening right now is Samuel Bankman-Fried. He is the crypto guy who has fiduciary responsibilities and screwed people out of hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. The fiduciary title and this argument against insurance agents is crap. It holds no merit. Fiduciary responsibilities doesn't make you a good person. You are either a good person or you're not. You're either going to take your fiduciary responsibility and your title very seriously and have integrity, or you're going to take that power and abuse it. That's just human nature. Financial advisors and the financial gurus you see all over social media, I get this all the time. But are you a fiduciary? And it's from people. Like you, it's also from consumers because they've heard somebody else say, well, you need to work with a fiduciary. And then they come and ask me, are you a fiduciary? And I tell them, no, I'm not. I'm not a fiduciary. And so what it comes down to is, do you think you can trust me or not? Do you feel like I'm educating you and giving you all the facts or not? If you go onto Investopedia and you look up fiduciary, It'll give you five common misconceptions about fiduciaries. And one of them is that fiduciaries are always honest. Fiduciaries don't always act in people's best interest. And so why does this point matter? If anyone watches John Oliver, he does a show where he talks about current events of the week. And one of his episodes was completely dedicated to the scam that is the fiduciary title. The whole thing. So this is becoming more of a understood concept that fiduciary doesn't mean as much as people might have thought it meant before. But I won't say that like the fiduciary title means nothing. I don't think that it means nothing. I think that it it makes it puts pressure on, right? It puts pressure on some people that might need it to do a good job. <laughs> yeah. Which if you think about it, like the moment I said it, I was like, that's kind of sad, right? That there are people out there that need pressure of being a good person to go and then be a good person. But that's basically what we're saying here is like, 
you know, without that fiduciary title, like I might just screw everyone over. I can sit here and tell you, like, I don't need anyone to tell me that I should treat people well to treat people well. Another argument that comes along with the fiduciary responsibilities is this idea that because insurance agents don't have to have a fiduciary responsibility or this title, that the industry in itself and the agents are not regulated, whereas the financial industry, the investment industry, has a lot more regulations. So financial advisors like to say things like insurance isn't regulated, you know, we're regulated so much, so our industry is better. Our our job is better. We do better by people because we're regulated. And from being in the industry, I can tell you right now that it absolutely is regulated. We're 100% regulated. Products are regulated. There's laws that pass all the time but you about what you can and cannot show clients or talk about how you can market. I have a, an entire list of words that I can't say, guaranteed being one of them. You can't talk about tax-free money without explaining how it's tax-free. There are a lot of compliance regulations as far as how the insurance industry allows you to market the product, what they allow you to say, how you're allowed to talk to clients, how what you're allowed to show to clients, even just the way that insurance agents are paid and how the the system inside everything works is regulated. Insurance agents, they go through background checks. You have to get licensing. You have to do continued education. There's a lot of regulation that goes on in the insurance industry that for some reason people want to not look down upon, but say it's not as good just because of the one thing, which is the fiduciary title. It doesn't make any sense. If you are to go against compliance, right? You're not following regulations of the insurance industry. There's a potential that I could be fined or go to jail. Any insurance agent, if someone makes a complaint about you because you did them wrong, you showed them material that was not approved sales material, you know, you screwed someone out of money, you get caught, you market the product incorrectly, you use any of these words on this list I'm talking about, you can be fined or sent to jail and, of course, stripped of your license. Like those are that's a hard punishment. They're not just like slapping people on the wrist and, and walking away like, oh, it's OK. No, there's serious consequences for going against compliance and you have to deal with the commissioner. And, and every single state in the United States has a commissioner's office and a commissioner who watches over all of this stuff and takes all of the complaints from people. So now something else that financial advisors use against insurance agents a lot is commission. Insurance agents get paid on a commission basis. We're all 1099. And I guess when I say all, I mean insurance agents who are like me, who are not working at State Farm or Aflac or um, anywhere where they're offering an hourly pay. Obviously, we're mostly you're working on commission if you're in the insurance industry. If you're a financial advisor, you're working on a fee basis. And commission versus fees are very different. Financial advisors seem to think that insurance agents make huge commissions off of selling policies, right? And that we push certain products that pay out more. I'll tell you right now, it is not about certain products paying out more at all. Certain products don't pay out more. It's the way you set the policy up. 
if in, if financial advisors would understand that when we as insurance agents say the policy has to be set up correctly, you have to have the minimum death benefit for max accumulation. And if they could understand that and then realize, oh, they're doing that for their client, giving them the minimum amount of coverage, that means they're going to get the smallest amount of commission possible. That's exactly what that translates into. So when they see that agents are making a bunch of money, the first thing they should be wondering is like, are they setting up their clients in the best way possible? That would be an appropriate correlation of if that agent is saying, I make this much money, I wonder if they're setting up the policies correctly. Because if they were, then awesome, good for them, right? They're making a bunch of money. If, if they're making a lot of money, they're doing a lot of sales. They're taking the smallest commission on every single one of those policies that they set up correctly. Whereas somebody tells you I make a bunch of money in the industry, I, I only sell, you know, 30 policies a year. Okay, well, you're not setting up the policy correctly whatsoever because we know, you know, if you're listening, I know because I've told you guys, the minimum amount of death benefit is the way we want our policies set up to create the most cash value. And that results in me getting the smallest commission possible. And that's what you want. That's what we want. So I know that there are agents out there who make huge commissions off of people because they're setting up the policy incorrectly. But this is your first sign that financial and financial advisors don't understand the insurance industry. They don't understand the product. They don't understand how people are getting paid. And they just use these blanket statements to every single person in the industry. You make huge commissions off of people. Some people do because they are screwing people over. But to say that to everyone is not fair. And it's just not true. Financial advisors, on the other hand, they, for some reason, want to just like brush over the idea that they are making money off of people as well. The same exact concept. Commission and fees are very different ways for the person to get paid. But hi, you're making a fee off of your client, making a commission off of your client. You're making money off of people and their money in both situations. A financial advisor charges between 0.25 to 2% on your entire account. So if you have 100 grand and you have a financial advisor and they have a 1% fee attached to it, Annually, they are making $1,000 a year off of your account every single year. They act like this is not happening somehow. Like the transparency there of like, hey, I make money off of you. It's almost like some people don't believe that financial advisors make money in this way. They absolutely do. Where do you think that money comes from? You are being charged the fee. I don't personally charge my clients the commission. They don't see that come out of their account. Right. My commission comes from the insurance industry, where if you have a financial advisor, they're charging you a fee and they might not be super upfront about it. Now, something else that they tend to try to blow right over is this idea that if you lose money in your account that they're managing for you, they still get their same exact fee every single year. Just because they lost you money doesn't mean that they lose money. If your account went from a hundred grand to 90,000, they're going to make less, sure. But, um, hi, you lost $10,000. They are still making money off of your losses. And they make more money when you make money, which is good. Everybody wins, right? But in the, in the opposite situation, 
you still lose. Not that they're trying to say, you know, we don't charge fees or anything like that. Everyone needs to get paid for doing a service. But to come after insurance agents for making a commission just feels indecent. We all have to make money. We're all doing a service. Some people do it poorly. Some people do it well. That should be the most important thing. And if you understand how everything is working, then you can have an opinion. But if you don't understand how it's working and you just want to have an opinion and be upset that someone is making money, we have a problem, right? Because you you don't you shouldn't expect that anything is done for free. Everybody has to go out and make money and get paid to put a roof over their head. So if you're upset that people are making money, you need to look inside yourself first, my friend. Now, I understand they've heard horror stories from clients. I understand that maybe they've seen really shitty policies that a client of theirs had, right? They told them to cancel it. They, it was crap when they looked at it. Obviously, financial advisors are smart people when it comes to money. They understand math. They can look at an illustration of an insurance policy and say, this is good or bad. Most times, if someone is coming to a financial advisor, they already have a policy and they've never had a financial advisor before, maybe they don't know much about money, it's very likely that that person got a, a poorly designed policy and they were getting screwed over. And now the financial advisor gets to kind of sit in their glory in that moment and be like, yeah, this is why insurance sucks. This is what we're going to do instead. Okay. The problem comes from the idea that when a properly designed policy is sitting in front of a financial advisor and they can't say that it's good and they just want you to do something else with your money that would put your assets and your money in their hands so they can collect a fee, that's when we have a problem. Financial advisors should be able to spot a good insurance policy to then properly instruct someone on that they should keep it how it's working, how it plays into their entire financial portfolio and where it comes like where its value is, right? For their long-term needs. It seems like a lot of financial advisors just hear the word insurance and I'm done. I don't want to hear any more. Insurance sucks. And that's all they have to say. When you ask a lot of these people why, it's I've just seen a lot of bad ones. Okay. But if you saw a good one, would you know it? Or would you be so caught up in this idea that insurance is bad? Would you even give it a second look? Uh, uh, would you even give it a chance? In my opinion, and I've said this before, insurance is not a standalone product. You should not just rely on insurance for your financial future, for retirement, for income. You shouldn't just have insurance. No one is saying that. No one is saying that insurance is the only thing you should do with your money. That's a terrible, that's terrible advice. In my opinion, having a cash value life insurance policy, having your employer's matched 401k, having a Roth IRA, having investments like a brokerage account through TD Ameritrade, whatever it is, having a, a emergency fund, right? Your liquid savings. You should have all of these if possible, all of them. And I can't help you with your Roth IRA or your brokerage account and how to invest into it and what to buy. So I play a role right here in the insurance part. And other people do have to come in to help you with the other, the other accounts. From over here, we just wish that financial advisors would take a second to let go of their ego and realize maybe there is something out there that could be beneficial to my client or that I have missed or misunderstood and learn more about it. 
trust somebody that says, hey, I design these things appropriately for people. And this is how it can benefit somebody. And we could all learn to work together. Just like financial advisors have realized, hey, I don't need to do insurance. And so they say, you know, I'm really good at these things. Okay, great. But if you don't have time to also understand the insurance world, then you should be thinking the same thing as I am of, okay, I don't understand or have time for this part of the finance industry. I should let somebody else handle this part, but I shouldn't come over here and shit on it (laughs) just because I don't make money off of it. A good financial advisor is going to understand why insurance is valuable and where it has a place in every single person's situation. That being said, I have had clients that take my illustrations and the materials that I showed them when they're thinking about purchasing an IUL to their financial advisor. Have I had some experiences where the financial advisor said, no way, insurance sucks, don't do this? Yes. But I've also had financial advisors who tell their client, who's also my client, this is awesome. This is fantastic. You should do this. And is not trying to take away the business, is not trying to put it down, is literally telling them, awesome, go and do this. I, I would 100% support you doing this with your money. Because um, this happens a lot with business owners, right? Business owners have teams of people. They want to do something with the income from the business. That thing being an IUL or cash value policy, they go and take it to their team. And when a team says, like, gives them the green light, wow, major props to these people because they have done what I was just talking about. They have decided, hey, this is our area of expertise. I'm not an expert over here, but I understand it enough to know good or bad. And I'm not going to stray someone away from what they want to do just because I can't benefit off of it. That is not your job. Your job is over here. And if you're a good person, fiduciary title or not, you're not going to try to persuade someone that something is bad just because you are not completely 100% familiar with it. And it's really unfortunate, the financial advisors who just want to talk poorly about it because they don't understand. And usually what they're telling their client um, is, you should just put your money into mutual funds. You should just put your money into index funds. You should just buy term and invest the rest. All things that they make money off of. So if this person has a fiduciary title, which I'm sure that they do, right? Being an investment advisor, they're advising you in a way that gets them paid because they don't understand the other side of things. And I think that right there is enough to shit on this whole idea of fiduciaries being the most, um, the highest compliment you could receive or the highest title you could have. No, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. So our first ask of today's show is a financial broker on TikTok who goes by the handle The Motley Broker. I know that people who follow me have seen this woman before on TikTok because I get a lot of messages about her or people tagging me in her videos. Like, what do you think about what she's saying? Even our good friend Ryan, who's behind the camera, has had a personal conflict with this creator because she comes onto our stuff. She makes nasty comments. Uh, She, you know, takes your video and says how shit you are. She's really lovely. If you can't tell, she's going to fit right perfectly into 
this concept that she does one thing, she doesn't make money off of the other thing, so this thing is good and this thing is bad. She's a fiduciary. Now, I was just talking about how a lot of times financial advisors say, you know, invest the rest, buy mutual funds. Her big thing is mutual funds. But she has this video where someone was arguing with her and they say, you know, well, I heard that only 3% of term policies actually pay out. The comment continues on and says that such and such says that utilizing a whole life policy can be a lot more beneficial long term than buy term and invest the rest. And so she's responding to him. And the first thing she says in this video. Of course, only 3%. Actually, I think less than that of term policies pay out. Do you know why that's good news? You didn't die. The good news is you didn't die. So I, we've said on the podcast before that a very small percentage of term policies pay out. She is admitting right off the bat that even less than 3% of term policies actually pay out. So you should, because that's her stance, you should pay into a term policy for 10, 20, 30 years. And it might not ever amount to anything. And that's okay. That's what she's saying. That you're going to pay into something and should pay into something that might never amount to anything. And that should be okay because guess what? You didn't die. Good job, you. This person who's asking the comment is obviously trying to get her to be like, well, yeah, like I didn't die, but like, why did I do this? Why did I put my money into this policy that is amounting to nothing? Less than 3% of policies pay out. Shouldn't I take that money and do something else? Um, if you pay $100 a month for a term policy for the next 30 years, that's $36,000 that you could have done something else with. $36,000 can be put to a lot better use than literally nothing. You get nothing out of it. She's going to stand by this fact that you should keep buying term insurance and invest the rest of the money somewhere else. And where I start going is, what if all they have is the $100? What if that is their extra money? Could we use the $100 in any other more beneficial way? And I think the person asking her this comment is also thinking that. But what if I could put the $100, the 36 grand over the next 30 years, to better use? What if I could put it to better use? And she can't go that far. All she sees is buy the cheap term policy, put more money into a mutual fund, and I will charge you a fee. That's what she wants out of this interaction. Um, financial advisors like this person often talk poorly about how the insurance industry itself is designed, as in there are a lot of pyramid schemes and ML MLMs. The financial industry is the same exact way. Because if we go, to Miss Motley Broker's uh, TikTok page, you can click on her link and there is a recruiting button. You can become a financial advisor just like her. And don't even think for a second that she's not making money off of anyone who uses her recruiting link and gets into the industry because she absolutely is. That is how recruiting works. If you bring people into the industry, you make money off of them. That is how that works. Not only is she making money off of people 
by teaching them that there's only one way to think about things. She's also going out and recruiting people to do exactly what she does to make money off of them. And she has affiliate links. You can buy or download apps or services that she makes a commission on. This is the pot calling the kettle black. She's doing all of the things that she says is so bad for insurance agents. How dare you be in an MLM? How dare you recruit people? How dare you make money off of people in the form of a commission? She's doing them. It's just she has a fiduciary title, so she gets angry and yells at you and is like, I'm a fiduciary. You listen to me here, pal. I don't have affiliate links. I don't have a recruiting button. I actually don't recruit at all, and I've talked about that. Now, she has another video where she talks about fiduciaries, and it actually has our friend Ryan in it. It's one of those ones I was telling you. She uses an insurance agent's uh, video. She stitches it. So let's watch this guy. Financial Publications just released an article saying that an IUL could be the new 401. Like this? Gosh, Forbes, you better get your shit together. Hmm. Consumers should avoid IUL because the insurers and agents who sell the product have no obligation to work in the consumer's best interest. Or here, where the American Council of Life Insurers, that's the ACLI for you guys that don't know, which represents 280 companies in the insurance industry, admits the IUL is not for everyone. And the costs associated with an IUL can drain the policy of its value. Policy values and IULs are depressed for many years due to high upfront charges and high surrender fees. These typically last for more than 10 years after the policy is taken out. If you don't have the stomach for investment losses or don't have the patience for long-term investings, IULs probably aren't for you. No, it's so bad. It's so bad. First thing, she <laughs> she's upset because the video has Ryan talking about um, a Forbes article that says, could the IUL be the new 401k? And then she pulls up a Forbes article that says, you know, an IUL might not be right for everyone. But she's saying like, oh, well, like Forbes said it, but then you used Forbes too. Forbes has multiple different opinions about things. <laughs> Forbes, Forbes doesn't just have one narrative. Yeah, if you're searching for it, Forbes will have it. You know, she goes on to say, insurance agents don't have fiduciary duty oh give me a break give me a break we already went over this okay she thinks because she's a fiduciary she's better than people but then it says that you know there's no regulations we talked about that there absolutely are regulations just because she said it in a in a voice like this doesn't mean that she's correct it says in the article if you don't have the stomach for losses or you don't have if you don't want to fund something for a long time, an IUL might not be right for you. And I know that an IUL is not right for everyone. Okay. I've said it before. I'll say it again. An IUL is not right for everyone. However, market losses and a long-term funding period apply to every single financial vehicle there is out there. If you are, how can you say that you shouldn't get an insurance policy if you're a afraid of market losses, but you should go get mutual funds. Mutual funds are directly invested in the market. They don't have a 0% floor and IUL has a 0% floor. 
And mutual funds do not. You can take a 30% hit. An IUL will never take a 30% hit. And long-term funding? An IUL doesn't always have to be long-term funding. It's one place right there where that just tells me she doesn't understand the flexibility of an IUL or the idea that you could only fund it for 10 years and be done, okay? But if you stop investing in your mutual funds, you're not going to see the same results as if you invested for a long period of time. One of the number one tips that investors get when they're starting out is slow and steady, you know, go for the long haul. Dollar cost averaging is that you're always investing all the time. This is not something that's special for life insurance. So in my opinion, if you ask me, the Motley broker on on TikTok, she's an ass in my book. And if you agree, if you know who she is or if you now know who she is and you went and looked up her stuff, please, can you drop a peach emoji in the comment section? If you think the Motley broker is an ass and we're in agreement, if you don't, put the sunglasses emoji, think she's an asset. Sunglasses emoji is not for me this time. It is for these people that I'm talking about because I'm about to bring up person number two. Person number two is a guy who goes by Personal Finance Club on TikTok and Instagram. His name is Jeremy Schneider. Overall, Jeremy is a self-made millionaire, at least he proclaims. He is 36. He says he has a $4 million net worth. And he's, you know, basically retired. He doesn't have to work anymore. And so he teaches other people um, about investing. And his main thing is index funds. Now, I have nothing bad to say about index funds whatsoever. Index funds are great. IULs, index, universal life insurance policies, take advantage of index funds. The problem with Jeremy is that he is also very narrow-minded. He thinks insurance is a complete joke and a scam, and he's very upfront about it. Now, my problem with Jeremy is because he's a big creator, people listen to him. And so when he says something, people are paying attention. So when he has this mindset of everything related to insurance is shit and only index funds are good, to me, he's doing a disservice to people because people are listening to you. And when you shit on another part of this industry, which is insurance, you might be discounting a product that would be very beneficial to someone. And just because of your mindset and your view and your lack of understanding, you are preventing someone from doing further research, which shame on them, okay? They should go and do it on their own and have their own original thoughts. But that's where we are in today's society. People get on the internet and they look for advice. I don't believe that Jeremy is a fiduciary whatsoever. Jeremy is just a financial guru guy on social media. All of Jeremy's content is investing tips. You know, do this, don't do that. He is just a guy giving financial advice based on what he's done. And he does it in a way. You can do this, right? You can do that and talk about something as long as you say that, hey, nothing I say is investment advice. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm just teaching you from my own experience. And you find a lot of that on social media from everyone in all kinds of industries. When you do a little bit of digging into these people and, you know, you wonder how did you do that? And is it really, did you really do it on your own? Did you have any help? Like, what was your, you can find out very quickly that Jeremy didn't have any student loans. He got in with a scholarship. His mom joined one of the businesses he started. He's never had 
to be in debt. I'm sorry, Jeremy, but you can't call yourself a self-made millionaire when things were literally fucking handed to you. People who get angry about this stuff, most people don't have that experience. Most people don't know what it's like to not have student loans, to not have debt, to have their mom support them in their new business. You're kidding me. You did not do that on your own. You were very, very, very privileged in your experience. And so for you to go out and be like, just do what I do, invest in index funds. This is bullshit. Sorry, it's bullshit. (laughs) And then he's going to come and shit on insurance as if that's the problem, as if that's what's keeping people poor. You're kidding me. And what does Jeremy do with his finance tips and... He has a lot of free content. You can go on the, his website. You can check out a lot of all of his articles, tips and tricks, the basics. And then when you're done with that, what happens? You are now prompted to buy his course. And one of the courses is $79 flat fee. And another course is $138. I think that when you're selling courses, you're a sellout. And if, Jeremy, you're so well off, why do you need to sell a course? Why do you need to go and make more money off of middle America who didn't have half of the privileges that you did? That's where I get upset. Um, I'll tell you guys right now, I had student loans. I've been up to my ears in debt. I've lived paycheck to paycheck. I've been through the struggle. I've eaten like I'm still in college for the last like 10 years. Uh, you know, boxes of mac and cheese. People like Jeremy don't know what it's like to struggle or to be living paycheck to paycheck, to start from nothing, to have no safety net, to have no leg up. And then they think they can go and educate the same people that they are nothing like. And then they want to go make more money off them by selling a course. This is the world we live in, you guys. It's it's not fair. It's not fair. It's a lie. It feels dishonest. It's ingenuine. Um, and I, I wish that more people could see through the nonsense. He'll post a, a picture like this one, right? And what it says is investing in an index fund versus investing in an IUL. And one of the pictures, the money turns into more money, right? Um, a house, whatever it is, and then investing into an IUL just shreds your money. That's what we're seeing here. Basically saying that an IUL is garbage. It takes your money. It eats it all up and you have nothing. You know, thousands of people saw, saw this content and there's a whole, there's a whole caption. Let's read it together. There currently is an epidemic of predatory insurance salespeople pushing terrible life insurance products on unsuspecting young people. Oh my God. He should be mad at Primerica just like I am. mm, But he's not. He's mad at people like me. I continue. They aggressively represent buying permanent life insurance policies as a fantastic investment. No, we don't. They tout all sorts of benefits like how they grow with no downside risk. It's tax-free. It's a tax-free investment, and it will outperform investing at actual investments like index funds instead of Roth IRAs and 401ks. Unfortunately, basically everything they say is the opposite of the truth. The truth is these permanent life insurance policies, including products like IUL, whole life, variable, 
NPI, etc., are riddled with high fees, high cost of insurance, penalties, and risk of the policy lapsing and losing everything. This is just like very basic, like cost of insurance, surrender charge, lapsing if you don't pay into your policy the minimums and losing everything. This this is a reason that you don't get a bad policy. Right. This is why it has to be set up correctly. He continues on. He says the end result is the cash value in an IUL would underperform an investment in the same index it tracks by 82% over the course of 40, 40 years. That's if the policy even lasts that long as policies can lapse due to missing payments or the insurance company changing the web of rules along the way, which the policy said they're free to do. So what do you do? If you need life insurance, buy term life insurance. With the extra money you're not, you're not giving to the insurance company, invest it. In 20 years, when the term expires, you will have lots of money and you don't even need to die to get it. Plus, your dependents will be grown and your untimely demise will no longer be a financial crisis. As always, reminding you to build wealth by following the two PFC rules. One, live below your means and two, invest early and often. His whole caption just tells me he has no idea how insurance works. Of course, there is a cost of insurance. It's also uh, a product, not an investment. There is a penalty for canceling. When you buy something and then you want to cancel it, people are allowed to say there's a penalty for doing that when you bought a permanent death benefit within a contract. And the lapsing and losing everything you have and then being able to change the rules. I talked about policies, um, poorly designed policies on a previous episode. And when the policy is not set up correctly, of course, it has potential to lapse. When your policy is fully funded and it's set up and designed in a specific way for you, it's not going to lapse. The underlying cost of insurance is minimal. You have very, very small minimums and flexibility to make sure your policy does stay in force and in good standing. When people are screwed over, their policy ends up lapsing because the policy was not designed to be beneficial for them. So I understand the frustration there, but it's a blanket statement that he's throwing at the entire insurance industry and every insurance product that is not built off of the facts. And something else that he does is he says investing, right? Like the picture he posts is investing in index funds versus investing in an IUL. Well, Jeremy is the type of guy that says cash value life insurance is an invest is not an investment. I also say that the reason why people, viewers, consumers are coming at me saying insurance is not an investment is because financial gurus like Jeremy talk about the IUL as if it is an investment. He can't go and say investing into an IUL versus investing into something else. When you don't invest into an IUL, you buy something and you contribute premium dollars to it. So if you want to be factual, Jeremy, you have to say investing into index funds versus purchasing an IUL. You purchase a life insurance policies and products that you purchase come with costs. I don't ever hear insurance agents using the word investing when they're talking about cash value life insurance because we specifically are not allowed to and we don't do it. It's financial advisors and these financial guys all over it, uh, social media that use the word investing and get people confused. So if they could stop that, it might just make our job just like a tiny bit easier. Otherwise, Jeremy has a post that says, 
never spend money on versus always spend money on. And the never is a really long line. Lottery tickets, a useless degree, overdraft fees, credit reports, whole life insurance, trading fees, ATM fees, bottle service, and hotel minibar. The always is your health and index funds. A lot to unpack there as well. But let's just keep it simple, right? Jeremy, who do you think you are that you could tell people to never spend money on a useless degree or a hotel minibar or bottle service? Are you kidding me? You sound like, he sounds like Dave Ramsey. Your Starbucks is what's keeping you broke. And yeah, not everyone gets their fucking college degree for free, Jeremy. Do you think that I wanted to be in debt for a degree that I didn't end up using? Do you think anybody goes into college, signs up for student loans, and then says, you know, I'm never going to use this. This debt will so be worth it to tell people never spend money on a useless degree. How? Unless, Jeremy, are, he might be the type of guy that thinks like art and music are useless degrees, um, which then, you know, God, waste of time. But the mini bar and the bottle service, like that's just now you're just being uppity. And, and I, I, I don't like that. Shit advice. Shit advice. And of course, you, you ha he has the whole life insurance in there. And no, no, no. OK, permanent insurance. You don't like it. I feel like it's just a way to slide it in there. You know, um, people, it's part of the brand. But you can always spend money on your health and your index funds. Where's the list? Is that the only thing that matters? The only things that matter are your, in, your index funds and your health. Privilege. Don't spend money on rent. You don't need to eat. Childcare. Quality advice from a straight cis male. Could you believe it? Well, one other one, because this just proves it's part of the brand, right? To hate on insurance. He has another post that says, every time I see a guy on a live with a whiteboard, I immediately think scam. And he's coming after insurance people for sure with this one. Because I see a lot of people with whiteboards talking about insurance. I'm one of them. <laughs> I am one of them. He's calling me out with this post. People use whiteboards and do content with whiteboards when they're talking about cooking. How can you say that anything with a whiteboard for content is by my scam? This is just, again, naive, narrow-minded, and just shows me it's all part of the brand. Hating on insurance is just part of who I am and what I stand for. Oh, which just brings me full circle to financial advisors, financial gurus, all these people. They should be doing themselves and their followers, their clients, the service of understanding all aspects of the financial industry, including insurance, so that it can unbiasedly and honestly, factually speak about it so that they can help people in the best way possible. But the second they become narrow minded on only my way works, that's when you have a problem. Your fiduciary title goes out the window. If it's so defined as, as to only one way is right, your, your advice is meaningless. This episode really got me riled up. We are definitely going to come back to Jeremy, Mr. At Personal Finance Club. But for today, I hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. If you want to drop any questions in the comments, we will get back to you. So please go ahead and put your questions in the comment section. If you want to follow me on TikTok or Instagram, it's at Casey the Dollar. 
you want to follow Power 3 Financial, which is my company, at Power 3 Financial on both TikTok and Instagram, or send us an email, reach out to us, go to our website. Our email is info at power3financial.com and our website is www.power3financial.com. We're happy to chat with you, answer your questions. Thanks everybody so much for listening. This has been the You're an Asset podcast where we find out who's an asset in the financial industry and who's just an ass. I'll see you next week. Bye. The You're an Asset podcast is not giving financial advice. We are not licensed financial advisors, and our licensing is strictly in insurance products. The information that we talk about is specific to the products that we work with. We cannot guarantee that other agents will have the same product features that we discuss on the show.